charismania is, is where we've been and, and what we're in a study. And it's really a study about the Holy Spirit. And we use charismania just to, to kind of entice, I don't know, whatever, but charismania. And here's the first week. And here's the, the week, the four weeks that we had. Let me just review and then we'll get into this week's lesson. But the first week was the person of the Holy Spirit. And it was all about, uh, you got to see the Holy Spirit as a person. If you see him as an id or a ghost, then, then you, you'll filter it through that thinking. But Paul said, may the intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours. The Holy Spirit is the voice of God on the earth today that interacts with us, that communicates with us, that comforts us, that helps us, that teaches us. That what? He's the paracletes, the one that comes alongside. And it's better that I go, Jesus said, so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And so we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. All these sermons are online. I encourage you to watch them. Week two was the power of Pentecost. And Pentecost, is, it just means 50, 50 days after Passover. The, it's, a, it's a festival that the Israelites celebrate, the Jews celebrate. The, the festival is not what's important, but what happened on the day of Pentecost is important in Acts chapter 2. It's where the Spirit of God fell in the early church. The church was birthed. And from that birthing, they were filled with power. And the Bible says they went and turned their world upside down. And if the church ever needs a rebaptism of power, it's today. The culture we live in, the things that we're facing, we need a baptism of power. And I, and I, and I built on that, and there are three baptisms. And, and Hebrews says these are elementary, these are foundational things. And if you don't get these three along with the Lordship of Christ, and there's some other things listed in there. But God can't build upon a, a, a solid foundation. There's the baptism into the body of Christ, or it's a baptism of salvation. When you're born again, you're baptized into the body of believers. Once you're born again, then you're going to follow the Lord and obey His command with water baptism. And this past Wednesday, we had six people that got water baptized. If you've never been on a Wednesday night, man, I so encourage you. You would just be encouraged by the testimonies. You'll be stirred by the stories. It's just a great, great night. If you've not been water baptized, we'll do it again the first Wednesday in July. We want to make that available to you. You're born again. Say yes to Jesus. You're baptized in the body of Christ. Then you'll follow the Lord's command and you'll be baptized in water. And then there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it, when you come out of the water, there it's a baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is new power to live the life that God has called you to. And so we just kept building on these things. Last week was spiritual language, our tongues, that it's scriptural, that it's beneficial, and that it's available for everyone who wants it, everyone who asks. And we had, I, I've heard reports, as many as 25 people received their prayer language last week. And so we're excited for you. We're, we're, here's what you do. Don't wear it as a badge. Don't wear it as some, don't make it allow you to be prideful or haughty. But just keep practicing and keep growing in it. Keep walking in it. And uh, relate to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. If you came to the front or you've been praying throughout the week and you've not received yet, can I just encourage you, don't be discouraged. We have two books in the back. I encourage you. One is, is Robert Morris's book on the Holy Spirit. Uh, I can't even remember what it's called. The second book is Jack Hayford, The Beauty of Spiritual Language. I encourage you to pick those up, read it, study the Word of God for yourself. Be open to what the Lord wants to do in your life. And, and uh, he's a baptizer. He, he said that he'll do it. Just with expectancy, believe that he's going to give it to you. This week, I want to talk about being spirit-led. Which is very important. And to talk about it, I want to use the life of Jesus. Because Jesus was spirit-led. Where did the spirit lead him? What, was, what did that look like? And, 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 and just again, foundational to start off. I want to talk about Philippians chapter 2. 
Paul wrote, who being in the very nature of God, you, you, you understand the nature of God, divine, omnipresent, supreme, absolute, unlimited, omniscient, omnipotent, invincible, infinite. Jesus was all those things. He was just like God. He was seated at the right hand of the Father. He, he, was, he, he was fully God. But yet he said, I'm not going to grasp that. I'm not going to hold on to that. I have to go to earth to be like a man, and I could remain in my divinity, but I'm going to empty myself. I'm going to make myself nothing. I'm going to allow, out of my own, out of my own will, I'm going to give that up for a season and, and take the very nature of a servant. He's going to take our nature. He took our nature, which is, which is uh, limited and mortal and finite. I'm going to take the nature of a man and be made in human likeness when he walked on this earth. But yet, when you study the life of Jesus, you realize that he was sinless, he was perfect, he did the absolute will of God. I mean, that's why he came and he accomplished it to, the, to, every, to every, every dot, every, I mean, he just did it. And how did he do that? How did he accomplish the will of God? Because a lot of people want to say, well, he was just God, he was just divine, he just had all, no, 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 remember, he gave that up for a season so he could become like one of us. So how did he do it? And I would argue that he did it because he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. He was sensitive and discerning of the Spirit's voice. He was sensitive to what the Spirit of God wanted to do in his life. Everything he did, every he partnered with the Spirit of God because God's Spirit knows the will of God. And, and, and being full of the Holy Spirit, he was able to accomplish God's purpose and will and his desires for his life. So if Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, that's what I want. If he was led by the Spirit, that's what I want. And today, I want to, where did he lead him to? What, what did it look like? Here, and and we're, talk, we're just starting off in the ministry of Jesus, Luke chapter 3. He was led to the Jordan River. And the Jordan River represents two things. I'll show it to you in Scripture. It represents obedience, and it represents a place of assurance. And let's, let's read it together, and then I'll break it down. When all the people were being baptized... All, all these people that John the Baptist was preaching, you need to repent, you need to get right, you need to give your heart to the Lord. All these people were getting baptized. Now, Jesus didn't need to repent. Jesus was sinless. Jesus didn't have to do this. But again, it was a place of obedience. Jesus was baptized too. You know what Jesus said? I'm just going to be obedient to the Father. I really don't probably have to do this. I don't need this. This really isn't for me, it's for... But I want to be obedient to this to fulfill all righteousness. He was just giving us a model of obedience, of what it means to obey the Father. And can I just declare to you, you know what God wants from you more than anything? He don't want your sacrifice or your religion. He just he wants your obedience. He just wants you to follow Him. He wants you to honor Him. He wants you to find out what His Word says and then do it. He, he just... He, I, I've been reading the Old Testament and... And Saul got in all kind of trouble. The first king of Israel got in all kind of trouble because he wanted to offer sacrifice. And, and the prophet Samuel said, look, Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. Just, just obey the Lord. Why? Why is that important? Because God wants to bless you. Man, God wants to prosper you. God, you don't believe me? Listen, look at the word of God in 2 Chronicles. Zechariah Zechari has this. This prophetic word to his people. He's like a pastor shepherding his people like I am this morning. And he's just declaring to him, why do you disobey the Lord's commands and keep yourself from prospering? These two things are connecting. Keeping the will of God, obeying his commands, and experience a prosperous, 
joyful life. Uh, there are some in this, this room right now that just will not forgive. Whatever reason. And I, I, they hurt you too bad. They, they've been too mean to you. And, and I, I'm, not, I'm not making light of it. I'm not making little of it. But the word of God says if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. You know what? Jesus wants to free you. It's more about you right now than it is the person that's wronged you. I just, I just want you to prosper so it's in your best interest to forgive. I mean, he's not some God up there, some demanding, overpowering God. He's just saying, look, I want to bless you. I want all that there is for you. Some of you will not, will not return the first 10% to the Lord. And I don't have the time to talk about why that's important and what it does. It's not about the church. It's about you. But you hang on to your wallet and say, no, I'm just not going to do that. I, I got too many bills to pay. God doesn't know what he's talking about. This is for other people. It's not for me. And we disobey the Lord. And we miss out on all that God has for us in that area. Some of you want your relationship to be blessed. I can't talk. I can't tell you the number of people that I talk to that are getting married. And, and, and I'll say, well, look, God wants to bless your relationship. Just stay pure, honor the Lord. No, we can't do that. You don't. Okay, are you a caveman? What are you talking about? What are you, well, we're living together, but we're not sleeping together. Look, I was born in the morning, but it wasn't this morning. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Who are you fooling? I want to prosper you, God says. I want to bless you. Then, then do it my way. I mean, you could go. God doesn't want you lukewarm. You heard that verse, be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Why? Why? Because there's no blessing in lukewarm. Because he wants to be your priority. And when you did, I'm just encouraging you. I, I want all that God has for you. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm trying to tell my people, obey the Lord. Honor his word. Well, I, it doesn't feel right. I, I didn't ask you what it felt like. Just do it. He's the author and the creator of life. He knows how life ought to be lived. Uh, here, you want more? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're ready to go right now. Psalms 1 says, blessed, prosperous, happy. You want to be happy? How do I be happy? Here it is. Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked? You know what? Doesn't take their, doesn't take their direction from modern family. Doesn't take their direction from some show on NBC. Are the Bachelorette? Are, the ba are those shows still on even? Doesn't take their, doesn't take their leading from that kind of stuff. Or stand in the way of sinners. That doesn't mean you block the path of sinners trying to get somewhere. It means that you're not standing around the, the water cooler at work talking about and allowing them to, to fill you with their ideas and their way of life. Or sit in the seat of mockers. You want to be blessed and happy? Delight in the law of the Lord and on this law meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, say this with me, will you? Prospers. God just wants you to prosper. So, so how do I do that? You obey the word of God. Here's what John said, 1 John. This is love for God. You love God? Do you? Then you'll obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. I'm not a burdensome God. I'm not trying to put something on you. I'm not a heavy fisted. I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying to free you. I'm trying to let you live life and life more abundantly. I'm trying to help you experience all that I've created you for. And it begins by obeying me. The Jordan River, it's, it's a, it represents obedience. It also represents assurance. 
So Jesus is there, and when he goes under the water, he's praying, and heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove. Listen to this. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my son. That, that means identity. I'm gonna, you're identified with me. Whom I love, that's validity, are you? I value you, I love you, and with you I am well pleased. That's affirmation. That, that's, that's singing. God, here's the second place that you choose. We're talking about spirit-led. It starts with obedience and it continues on. you got to get to this place of assurance. you got to know who you are in Christ. Amen. And here, he, I don't know if you struggle like me, but I struggle with that. I struggle with being fully approved and fully accepted. I struggle with assurance in Christ. And I, I think it's many reasons. One, because I struggle with sin. I mean, I struggle with selfishness and insensitivity and impatience, just to name a few. And, and, then, and then I don't change as quick as I thought I think I should. Or, or I, and I struggle with these things over and over and over again. And, and I, I begin to question, well, God's mad at me and, and God doesn't approve of me and God doesn't love me. And, and I think part of the reason is because we grew up in a reward system. And, and we've carried that over to our relationship with Christ. If I eat my vegetables, I get dessert. If I do well at practice, I get to start in the game. If I get good grades, I get more privileges. If I work hard and, and do a good job, I get a raise. But the problem is, in my relationship with Christ, I don't always act good enough, and I'm, I'm not good enough. And, and, and so I struggle with this. Does God, is God really pleased with me? And I wrestle, I wrestle with guilt. Maybe I'm the only one, but, but when I fast two days, I think, man, I should have fasted three days. And I, I'm eight days behind on my yearly Bible reading right now. And I, can, can God use me this morning? I've missed eight days of, of reading the Bible this year. And, and the devil tries to just say, man, you, who are you? What are you doing? There's just this sense of guilt. And then I, I seek the approval of men way too much. There are times where I fear men's opinion more than I fear the opinion of God. And so I, 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 I have this, 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 this concern, this struggle with God. Do you really approve of me? And I, I just want to encourage you, if you struggle with those kind of things, you need to go back to the River Jordan. You need to be baptized this morning with, a, with assurance, knowing who you are in Christ. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to the river so that he could hear, you are my son. I, I identify with you. I love you. I, well, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm lovable. I don't do enough to get love. No, no, I love you. I value you. And with you, I am well pleased. If you've said yes to Jesus and he is your Lord, you are clothed in the righteousness of God. You are no longer a slave, but you're a son or a daughter. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You've been predestined by God to obtain an inheritance. You've been chosen and you're holy and blameless before God. You've been redeemed by Christ and forgiven by Jesus. You've been raised by Christ and hidden by Christ and made complete by Christ. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness. You know, the enemy, one of his number one tactics employed is to keep us. His desire is to make us unassured that we're saved and loved and accepted. You got to know. You got to know. Got to go to the Jordan so you can, you can understand this, this assurance that nothing can separate you from the love of God. That God loves you with a love that can't be bought or earned or traded or sold. That his love will never let go or give up or cast off or break down. 
That his love is not based on your past or your performance or your potential. It's based on your nature. And I, I want to encourage you to stand on God's word. That you have been chosen by his grace and adopted as his child. And forgiven by his blood and sealed by his spirit. And redeemed from your past. And are being transformed by his power. And that should bring you great confidence. We used to sing a song when I was growing up. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation and purchased of God. Born of his spirit and washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. It's a, the Jordan River is a place of obedience. I'm going to obey you regardless of what I feel like, what I think, what I, what I think is best. What everybody else is saying, I've committed to obeying you. It's a place of assurance. This is my son whom I love. In him, I am well pleased. He comes out of the baptismal tank and, and he's led by the spirit to the... I'll come to that another way. He goes to the desert. He goes to the deserts in Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. And man, that's what I want for all of us. It's what I want for you, that we're just full of the Holy Spirit. Return from Jordan. What was Jordan? It was a place of obedience and a place of assurance and was led by the Spirit. Let me, let me just say, when you're led, I have two five-year-olds. When I lead them, I usually have their hand and I'm walking a little bit before them. I don't, he wasn't pushed by the Holy Spirit. When you're pushed by the Holy Spirit, you're just out on your own to do your own thing. He doesn't do that. He was led. When you're led, you're usually, the person leading is usually a couple feet before the other one. And they got him by the hand. You know what it means to go before? I got this. We're going to be okay. I'm going to take care of this. He was led by the Spirit into the desert. You know what the desert represents? A place of testing. I'll tell you what, nobody wants to go to the desert. I mean, I want to go to the Jordan. Be assured. But nobody wants to go to the desert. The desert is a dry place. It's a hard place. It's a challenging place. It's a difficult place. It's a frustrating place. Don't, don't raise your hand. But yeah, anybody been there? It's just a, it's a difficult place. It's, it's God, where are you? God, what's going on? And, and when you're in the desert, everything is screaming from within you. Get me out of here. I miss the will of God. There, there, there have been some desert places in, in my ministry over the last 25 years, but none greater than about the third year in. I, I'd been hired by a pastor that, that, that was mentoring me and helping me. I mean, I'm 22 years old and leading a youth group, and, and he's, he's just really encouraging and affirming and, 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 and very helpful and modeling, and, and just it was a really, really good situation. And, and he leaves. He takes another church, and I get another guy that comes in. And this pastor, I know you're going to find this really hard to believe, and it, it's just going to boggle your mind. But he doesn't like me for some reason. Just doesn't like me. Really doesn't want me there. And, then, and he makes it very difficult for me. And again, I mean, I might have been insensitive. I don't know. It's my perception. There's three sides to every story. But this is how I saw it. But they, and, and this is the truth. They'd have staff meetings and staff retreats, and I wouldn't get invited. I'm a youth pastor. I mean, there, something's wrong with that. They, they, people would get raises, I wouldn't get a raise. I mean, I was, I was screwed, I mean, just 
called out. It, it was just a very hard place. And the whole time I'm screaming, I want out of the ministry. This is not a, what, what I said. So he wouldn't, he, I was wanting a mentor, mentor. I was wanting a model. I was wanting somebody to help me and come alongside of me. Everything within me was screaming, get out. You know what I'm saying? I missed the will of God. This isn't where God has for me. And, and I, I, I ended up staying in that desert for two and a half more years. You talk about frustrating, challenging, difficult. But when I got through that and I look back on it, it was some of the most stretching, strengthening. I learned from that rascal what not to do in ministry, how not to treat people. I, Angie and I, I think, developed the close. I think it was almost uh, strategic in our relationship as husband and wife in ministry. We didn't have anybody else to go to. I couldn't talk to other pastors. I couldn't talk to other people because I did know that I was to honor the position even if I didn't like the man. Amen. And I, I understood loyalty and I understood authority. And so we would, we would, we could, I, I mean, I, I came through that. I, I'm telling I think I'm part of the, part of the character I have today is because I went through a character-shaping desert. I, where I found out that my holiness is more important than my happiness and my character more important than my comfort. That in the desert is where God really stretches me and where God really gets a hold of me and where God really uh, does his, his work in me. I was at the hospital the other day. And on the side by the elevator it said, take the stairs for a healthier you. And, I, you know, I'm always looking for sermon illustrations. And I thought, what a great illustration. A lot of us are Christians. We just want to take the elevator, hit the button and go to the top. And that's it. You know, when you get off the elevator, you're the same way that you got on it. There's no change. There's, there's no... Christianity, I'm, I'm convinced, it's not an elevator. It's stairs. It's challenging at times. It, it's putting one foot in front of the other often. It's, it, it can be... It can be just, I just got, I'm just going to... I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm going... But when you take the stairs, there's a difference in you. You're stronger when you take the chair, stairs. You're healthier when you take the stairs. And that's what God wants for you. It, it, and it can be shaped and formed and made and created in a desert place, in a dry place, in a hard place. So you say, well, okay, I'm in the desert. What do I do? Thanks for asking. I'm going to tell you, James chapter 1. He says, count it all joy whenever you face trials of various kinds. You know, this, is what I've, this is what I've learned. This is what I've, as I study this thing, a potter, when he makes clay, a, a potter will take this hard lump of clay with imperfections, and it's just a ball, nothing Nothing to it, no purpose, no function. I mean, just a hard ball of clay. And he'll put that thing on the wheel and he'll pump it and he'll spin, spin, spin. And he'll begin to shape it. Use a little water and he'll shape it and form it. And he'll make it into what he beating out the imperfections and taking rid of the, the, the things that are going to keep it from being formed. How many know Jesus is the potter and we're the clay? And, and he's got a spinning wheel. And often we find ourselves in the desert and, and we're spinning. He's the one. And sometimes it's not joyful. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's challenging. But he's got a plan. And he's got a purpose. And he's got a will. And he's got a heart. And remember, he wants to bless you, not hurt you. He wants to, he wants to lead you along, not leave you on your own. And so he knows what's best. And so he's shaping. And then when the potter would get that thing created, a bowl, a, a piece of art, whatever it was, he would stick it in the fire and the fire would heat up. Again, it had to go through a desert place, challenging place, hard place. You know, when the potter knew the thing was ready, he would take it out and flick it. And if it sung, if it, if it, if he hit it, and there was a little vibration. And if there was a little, mm, 
That thing was ready. You know what if it didn't hum? You know what he did to it? Put it back in the fire. You want out the desert? You want out the fire? Quit complaining and whining and murmuring and griping and just start singing. You, it, if you, there, there, you just got, uh, you want out the fire. I don't got, I don't have anything to sing about. Neither did Paul and Silas. They were in the middle of a jail cell with their back wide open, not knowing what the future holds. But they just raised their hands and raised their voices and said, how great is our God? And began to sing, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And God started working on and getting them out of the prison. Just thank you for who he is and for what he's done and what he's promised to do. You can stay in the fire. Or you can just begin rejoicing. Consider it all joy whenever you face trials of various kinds. Just start, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. I'm going to bless his holy name because he's forgiven all my sins. He's healed all my diseases. He's redeemed my life from the pit. He's crowned me with love and compassion. He has renewed my strength like the eagle. I'm going to count it all joy and rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You're, you in the fire, just count it all joy. Here's, here's another thing. Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work. When you're in the fire, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't, don't. I, I've seen too many people that get under the heat and miss out on what God wants to do in their lives. I, we, were, we were in Arizona for a conference, and whoever told you Arizona is hot, they were telling you the truth. It is hot. And they say, well, well, it's a different kind of heat in Virginia. And I thought, no, it can't be that. No, it's hot. And we were going, since we were in Arizona, we were going to drive six hours and, and go to California on the West Coast. And, and, and it, it was just beautiful there. To get there, you had to drive through the desert. I, looked, I was about halfway through, and I looked at my temperature in the car, 112 degrees. I mean, there was nothing out there. It was barren. I thought, this car is going to overheat. I'm going to break down and get bit by a rattlesnake. I got to turn around and go home. I, we got to get back to Arizona. I'm so grateful we stayed in the car and made it through the desert. Because there was a certain point in California, it was like the cloud lifted. It was like the heat lifted. It was like you go out of this desert, hot, dry place into this paradise, 82 degrees in a matter of minutes. It, and, 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 and what I'm trying to communicate and illustrate for you today, you say, well, I'm in this desert and I, I just need to go back and get out of it. I'm telling you, there's something on the other side. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't, don't surrender. Don't, don't miss out on what God wants to do in your heart and in your life. Don't miss out on your miracle because you're impatient and, and, and unconvinced that God has his best for you. <laughs> he wants to develop some perseverance so he can finish its work. I think about Noah. Anybody had the right to quit. It was Noah. 120 years he built a boat. 120 years he stayed up on that scaffold with all humanity laughing at him, making fun of him. You know what perseverance did? It kept his family safe from the flood. It, it, it kept, I think about Paul, every right, every right, beat with a Roman cat of nine tails, shipwrecked, stoned, betrayed, scandal, living in relentless scandal. It was before the church in chains, in and out of prison, 
But he put his pen to the parchment and said, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know what his testimony was? I'm going to keep the faith. I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to get the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all who long for his appearance. Telling you, when you're going through the fire, when you're in the desert, count it all joy. Just sing. Sing. And don't quit. I'm so glad Jesus didn't quit on the cross. Could have, could have called ten thousands of angels to get him down. But he stretched out his arms between two thieves and declared, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they did. And then the author of Hebrews wrote, Since we're surrounded by such a greater cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every sin and the, let us throw off every hindrance and the sin that so easily traps us and keeps us. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from hostile men, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. And quit. You know what? Jesus didn't quit in the, in the desert either. He stayed and went through those 40 days of trying and Preparation, And this is what happened in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee. You're not in the desert forever. It may seem like it, but he's leading you out in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for you. Here's, here's how I like to say it. He was led that he might be tested. He was tested that he might be prepared. And he was prepared that he might be empowered. He was led so he could be tested, tested so he could be prepared, prepared so he could be empowered. I think a lot of us like the river. We like the Jordan. We were firm. I don't know if many of us like the wilderness. And I'm not, who, who does like the wilderness? Nobody. And that, that's not a thing. But if you're going through the wilderness, if you don't hear anything else, God is with you. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He's got a plan and a purpose. He wants to refine you with his fire. He wants to prove your faith genuine and real. He wants to prosper you and bless you. Don't get off the potter's wheel. Good or bad today, don't get off. Let the Spirit of God shape you and mold you fulfill the purpose and the destiny for which you were called and for which you were created. Amen, everybody? Amen. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads and hearts with me? I know I got one more point, but I don't have time. You people that got to have blanks filled in, email me and I'll send it to you. <laughs> Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. Trevor, if you'll begin to play and lead us. You know why Jesus didn't come off the cross? Because he knew one day in June there was going to be a service at Clover Hill Assembly of God and there was going to be somebody there that needed forgiveness. He knew that there was going to be somebody there that, that needed to give their heart to Christ, that needed to be reconciled or brought back to the Father. And the only way that could happen is if he stayed on that cross. And so he did it. He stayed for you. He stayed for you, young man. He stayed for you, young lady. He stayed for you, man. Woman, he stayed on the cross for you that... That, that 
That when the Holy Spirit began to seek you out, because that's what he does. When the Holy Spirit began to convince you that you needed a Savior, and when you responded to him by saying, yes, yes, I, I know that I need a Savior and I give you my life today. That the price that Christ paid on the cross would be the sufficient payment for your sins and your forgiveness. And some of you find your, yourself at that place right now. fact, six have today already have said, I need Jesus, I need a Savior, and have given their heart to the Lord. And you say, Pastor, my heart's pounding, my stomach's turning, I don't know what that is. It's the, it's the pull, it's the drawing of the Holy Spirit. He, he wants you to be reconnected to the Father through Jesus. All you have to do is just respond to Him. You've got to say yes to Him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He has raised Him from the dead, then you'll be saved. All I want to do in these next few moments is just lead you in a prayer. Right now, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to bring you forward. I just want to pray with you. And you say, Pastor, will you pray for me, with me, for me? I, I want to join these other six people. I, I, want, I know today I need to give my life to Christ. Will you raise your hand real quickly? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's, everybody's praying. Christians are praying. Thank you. Anybody else? I need Jesus. Thank you right there. Anybody up? Just, just need Jesus today. Anybody in the balcony? I need Jesus today. Three or four hands have lifted up. For the sake of those three or four, can we all stand together? And you that have made a commitment to the Lord, you know what's going on in their heart right now. So I want you to pray with them and pray for them. But I want to lead them in a prayer. And, 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 and you, you, might, you don't have to say this uh, audibly, but I would definitely say it in my heart and my mind and and I would say something like this. I would say, Jesus, I realize today I need a Savior. And I'm inviting you into my heart, into my life. God, forgive me and cleanse me and wash me. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my ruler. I would say this. I would just say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. Lord, for those that have said that simple little prayer, I, I'm just asking that your spirit will bear witness with their spirit that they are now children of God. And Lord, that this won't be the end, but the beginning of a new walk with you. That they just won't be a convert, but they will become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same Holy Spirit that convicted or convinced them of their need for Jesus will grow them in their walk with you now. In Jesus' name. For those that pray that prayer, I, this is what I'm going to do. We're, we're going to have two, we call it an altar call. All it is, it's just a response time. You come to the board. But you're, you're going through a desert right now. And, and I thank God, the deserts that I've went through, I'm so grateful for the body of Christ that has rallied around me and prayed for me. Sometimes you just need a little pat. You just need, you're going to make this. Man, you, I've been through some of the same stuff. You're going you're gonna to be okay. Let's just, Let's just do it together. Let me pray with you. Let me, let me encourage you. Man, it's so, it's so important, so refreshing. That's what we want to do before we leave.